Hi friend, welcome to the Quiet Connections podcast. Do you feel anxious and not good enough in social situations? Feel like you're weird, broken or don't fit in? You are not alone. Join Hayley and Stacey on a journey to quiet confidence. Picking up key insights to help you feel more calm and confident. So you can finally speak up, join in and feel like you belong too. Hello, I'm Hayley and welcome back to the Quiet Connections podcast. I am joined by Claire Whitehouse. Now Claire is support coordinator with Dorset Stroke Association and she's also a stroke survivor herself. And Claire has a story of a young girl who was very active and perfectionistic and then she had two strokes at the age of 19 and she was told that she wasn't going to be able to walk again. And this obviously impacted Claire's confidence, her sense of self, She developed social anxiety and didn't want to go out. She was very isolated and everything that she thought she knew about where her life was going was taken away from her. Her dreams had to change. And so this is Claire's story about how she moved through this and how she really worked to do those things that she was told she wouldn't be able to do. Claire talks about the emotional impact that this had on her. She talks about techniques that have really, really helped her and She shares how having the stroke was the very best thing that ever happened to her because it really helped her to not find herself, but create herself and become the person that she really loves today. So without further ado, let's meet Claire. So Claire, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here and to have a lovely conversation around confidence and seeing your worth and recognizing your true abilities. So do you want to begin by sharing a little bit of your story with us? Yeah, by by all means. Um, So I had a stroke at the age of 19 in 2010. that was just sudden. I had no warning that that was going to happen. So it was very sudden. I was going to go to uni um, and I wasn't in London. Um, It all happened with literally this really bad headache. And then I lost balance um, and my leg completely collapsed. I was taken to hospital. Um, There was no really such rush because of my age at that time. so unfortunately, I've had two strokes um, because they didn't, um, they declotted me. And unfortunately, I'm the other way. So I had a bleed. Yeah. So uh, that was uh, not the best thing to happen. Um, and the second stroke, um, unfortunately, affected me with my right, my right body, my right hand, my balance, and my left side of the face with Bell's palsy. Mm. Um, I used to previously play football. Like to the age of six to the age of 19 so that was devastating uh let alone someone just saying you know predicting you not to run any longer so but for me I, I I found it very hard to come to terms with it and not only me but I also think my friends did mm. um so unfortunately I, I lost a lot of friends during that whole process um and I kind of like just wanted to be left myself I felt worthless I felt a bit of a burden at that time 
Um, and I couldn't get out of my head. All these emotions were going, going everywhere and I couldn't control how I was feeling, my thoughts. Um, I was seeing things on Twitter and Facebook and sometimes it has its pros and cons, but mine one was seeing the life that I could have had with my friends going to uni. So it was extremely difficult at that time. Yeah. I did work on a neurology ward and in neurorehabilitation for a number of years. And I've seen what it's like for people to come in having had a stroke and then trying to rebuild their, their sense of self to begin with, you kind of lose your identity. So tell us a little bit about how that was. Definitely. Uh, I lost, I definitely lost my identity and that's a, that's a key thing that you just said. Um, and I, I, and I, we've come across a lot of stroke survivors, that is the majority find that they are disconnected with themselves. Mm. Um, your other half of your body doesn't feel like yourself. If I drew a line down to my belly button on one side, that side doesn't feel like me. Um, so I, I lost myself in my confidence just to go and order a coffee. My words would get mixed up, I'd, I'd panic. Um, and I tried to, tried to avoid those situations at first. Um, but then I get to, got to a point and I realised, look, Claire, you need to get into those positions to help yourself. And though I lost my confidence and my, my, my anxiety, I felt that kind of telling people that actually, I'm so sorry that my, my communication gets mixed up. I, I, have, I have difficulty. I do feel people will understand. So that has helped massively through my journey. Um, And I also had a dog um, and I've I've got him here in my lap. Um, And he's been therapy for me to help me with my my emotions, uh, Mm. my my loss on myself. Um, But I would say five years on after my stroke, I created myself. So I Mm. lost a part of myself. I created it. And that was a massive turning point in my life. I was able to create my, my I found my passion and my, my passion fell on in stroke, funny enough. And, and it wasn't the way I planned my life. You know, I planned um, doing child nursing, social working with children and not actually going into stroke and supporting people like I, I needed support at that time. Yeah. Um, so it was really difficult um, to understand what was going on in my head because I didn't understand and I didn't have a lot of information and I didn't have anyone to really sit down with me and actually tell me, me what was going on in my brain. So I automatically thought it was just me having the issue, um, but apparently it was completely natural. Oh, so you kind of felt like you were broken and like you were the only one going through it. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. It was... Five years on until I, I went into uh, the brain injury and community health and they sat me down and actually told me that where I've had my brain injury at the cerebellum at the back is where my emotions are and my emotions will go haywire and I, and I find it hard to control them and they gave me self techniques um, <laughs> for example I'll get an, if I have a bicker with my, my partner I will take myself out of the room so I don't say anything that will be hurtful. And then I'll come back once I re-evaluated the situation mm. and had time to myself to think about what I, what I may have done. Um, so that really, really helped me. And 
with that came into meditation um and that helped me to find myself as well yeah. um meditation has been been a brilliant source of my recovery yeah I wholeheartedly recommend that too and I think that so what what you're talking about the you know the emotions and feeling like you are the only one going through something and there's something wrong with you I think that's so relatable to so many of us for so many different reasons and I can relate to a lot of that from my experience of social anxiety too Mm -hmm. um and feeling like I was just weird and broken and like defective in some way Mm. And I didn't realize that there was a reason for it and that, you know, I was struggling with these emotional responses because of the way my body was functioning at the time. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I think that was definitely the turning point after those five years when someone actually sat me down and explained it. That was where I was able to accept and actually understand what had happened to me. Yeah. And that was my huge turning point in life where I then started try new things, meditating. Okay, I can't play football anymore, but I can stand up paddleboard for a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Even sitting on the board and being away from everything and just sitting on there in the middle of the water is just peaceful and therapy itself. So I found a new ways. Yeah, definitely. Blue mind, very meditative, very good for your health. Yeah. I totally agree. You know, my my life has completely changed. I just, I never imagined my life to go this way. And now I work for Stroke Association. Um, so I'm able to support people that I would have expected to be supported in that way as well. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a blessing in disguise. It was like something was meant to happen. And you know, you're destined to be able to support other people. And you know what, Claire, you're not, you're not worthless. You know, you're helping people. You're making a purpose of yourself. You're having yourself a life purpose. Mm -hmm. And also you're seeing the enjoyment of life, the beauty around you and the the look of the beautiful nature around you. Um, I never stood on beach and really, really took in the beautiful view. And now I really appreciate it yeah Um, so it it is in those those times where you're standing there with self-therapy itself having that time to yourself and really taking in the beautiful nature around you um I was hospitalized for nine weeks so I couldn't go out um and when I was at home with with my uh self-confidence my social anxiety I didn't want to overly go out um I can remember I experienced going out once with a friend and it was, I felt embarrassed because I could no longer do what I could do. I couldn't dance, uh, I couldn't drink, um, and my vision was distorted. I couldn't see anything. I felt different to everyone. My, my, my body image was different. My, my look about myself was so different. Mm. And I wasn't comfortable with that at the time. Um, but like I say, five years on, time, time is a huge thing. Um, because with that, I've been able to really understand and appreciate who I am and get to a point where I'm able to support other people because I'm comfortable with myself. Yeah. So Claire, I have to say that I have seen other stroke survivors and of course, people experiencing social anxiety, um, 
and really a, a whole host of different challenges in their lives. And their response has been more to avoid, to hide themselves away, to maybe judge themselves for being in this place of learning and feeling afraid of making mistakes. So, you know, they're really not in a mindset of getting up and giving it a go. They feel depressed um, and lost in themselves. So can you tell me what's different about your approach? I think, you know what, it's, it's, it's really difficult. You, you need support in place. Support is huge, but also your self-determination. You, you have to kind of help yourself to get somewhere as well with support. Um, you know, I, I got to a point where I was like, no, Claire, this, this can't be it. And, you know, I know every stroke is so different. I know every human being is so different. It's going to be, um, one person's going to be up for going, right, I'm going to go and try and walk to this lamppost. And one person will struggle to the point that they just can't do it. They can't self-determinate themselves to do it. And that's totally understandable. Yeah. Um, um, but I found things like just doing, you know, reading, doing art is a huge thing. Um, like I say, meditation, exercise, exercise and eating healthy. We all know about it, but it's so difficult sometimes. I, I put my hands up. I like a cheesy takeaway. Um, but eating healthily and exercising is a huge thing. I've actually done Joe Wicks this morning. Well done. <laughs> so exercise helps with, you know, your, your the mindfulness. Um, so I think mindfulness and is so important with the acceptance and your recovery stage and meditation gives you that that ability to try and push yourself up or maybe putting some music on that's upbeat and really push yourself because when you're sitting there by yourself and not having anything in the background is so difficult um so there are tools and plays music are sometimes trying new things that you didn't think you would be able to do or didn't think you would do ever I, I take on a on a trike. I do my shopping. I, I talk to the I talk to the um you know the neighbours and my little trike, and you know that's a source of exercise. It feels great just to be outside, even when it's a little bit muggy. Um, so I think you know for everyone it's going to be extremely difficult. Um, but there are things in place that that can really help, mm. and. It's also down to an individual to get themselves up and to really get going. Um, and I know as well, it's it's extremely, extremely difficult to get to that point. It takes time. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, the same as you were saying, I was like a huge avoider. That was my kind of go-to strategy. I didn't want to put myself in uncomfortable situations. Um, I just had this thought, like, I can't do it. What's the point in trying? And mm. from what you're saying, it sounds like you have to do some real work on that mindset first and and bring some feel good, um, bring some feel good energy into your life and manage those those thoughts. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you have to re- rebuild yourself. And, you know, I think we underestimate the emotional impact that everyone has. Um, we all talk about mental health. And emotionally, it's so difficult. And talking to people is so, so important. Um, I, I do peer support groups now, for stroke survivors and carers. And it's impressive, actually, how 
just talking to someone that's going through a similar experience to you just me- makes you feel less alone um, yeah. and slowly builds up that, that confidence. It's like, a, it's like a stage, you know, you, it's a platform. You have to keep kind of going and going. And sometimes there's a plateau. But you need to talk to someone to understand that, you know, that's absolutely normal to have a plateau. Just keep going. It takes time. Yeah, for sure. And that recovery process mm. or, you know, that process of growth, it isn't linear. It isn't just a constant upward trek. It's like it's up and down and you're going to feel like you've fallen sometimes. And like you were saying, you just got to get back up. Yep. Yeah, you've got to get back up. You've got to keep going. Um, and, you know, I've been, in, I've been in those dark moments where I don't want to. And that's absolutely fine when there's moments where you just really can't get up. Mm. But, you know, tomorrow's a new day and you've got to keep going. Um, sometimes, depending on your stroke, recovery can take years, take a life, take a lot less time than, than a lot of people. But just got to keep going and and time as horrible as it is because you feel like time goes very slow after you just had a stroke you're watching that clock and time is going slow but now reflecting back from who I was to who I am now I am very grateful um I feel like I have a purpose which was very very important to me because I felt worthless at that point I felt like I couldn't give anything back I felt a bit Mm. of a burden Mm. to my family and now I feel completely different with that time where I've been able to create myself and understand what actually is going on. It's been it's been a life lesson and a life purpose. Yeah. So how would you suggest somebody else taps into their purpose? Taps into their purpose. It's it's sometimes difficult to find your purpose. It can take you years and years. It doesn't always happen straight away. I wouldn't have found mine if I didn't have my stroke, to be honest. I don't think I would have found my purpose. But reevaluating your whole life is, is, a, is an important factor. And, you know, when, when you have that time to sit back by yourself and actually reevaluate, reflect what's actually happened, maybe write a diary from... I mean, I wish I wrote a diary because that would have been so, so amazing to be able to see who I was to who I am now. It's mm. just like a totally different person. But I would say for me, reflecting back to who I was really helps me to find my step to what who I wanted to be. Yeah. I think for me, I kept saying somebody needs to do something, like something needs to change. Mm. And I thought, it's not me. I'm not confident enough. I'm not the right person. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, bless but, you. Yeah. You know, I just kept getting pulled back to this um this idea. And eventually I thought, no, you know, I'm gonna give it a go. And even though it feels scary and it feels like a stretch, I'm just gonna take that step and see what happens and then take the next step and the next step. Yeah, doing that jump is the most scariest thing ever, but it can be the most the best thing. Even when you fail, well, I, I honestly I'm the queen of failure. But you know what? Through the failures, I've learned so, so much. And so I'm really glad of those those failures because I've been able to, like you say, find what I really want, find what I think other people would benefit from as well. Um, and uh, I think that's that's what's helped helped me to really know what I want to do in life. Um, so now I I, I look I work for Stroke Association. I support people through that organisation. Later on, I would. 
I have a dream of being a life coach um, and being in a camper van and driving around the UK. This is my dream, guys. So no judgment here. That is my dream. And, um, you know, stepping out of a camper van and seeing the beautiful view can just make all the difference. Um, and stepping back in and, and helping someone else that who, who's in need just, I don't know. It just gives you, it gives you that purpose. You know, you're you're making something so important to something. You're you're significant to someone, and you're helping them to re, re, rebuild themselves. And um, that's what I want to carry on doing. Yeah, I think when we go through difficult situations, it gives us that greater level of empathy and understanding and mm. ability to really connect with people that Definitely. you wouldn't have had otherwise. No, no, I wouldn't be able to sit here today and talk about anxiety, self-confidence, self-worth, um, you know, and it, it really, it has impacted me. And it has, when you're with a sh- another stroke survivor, you have, a, an, like you say, an automatic connection with them. If I didn't have a stroke, I, wouldn't, I would find that really difficult. But straight away, I can really understand or read their thoughts, even if they're not not telling me what they're feeling. I can kind of tell by how they're acting that something's kind of going on. And, um, you know, I, I, I approach them like I would like to be approached as well, because everyone's different and it is a difficult time. Um, so I like to step back and really kind of understand that individual because everyone is individual and going through different things themselves yeah that curiosity is the most important thing about ourselves as well Mm. I find that interesting to really get to understand someone because everyone is so individual I find that very interesting um so I find my 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 job rewarding so rewarding I love my job um I love my team that I work with as well um, and like I say, you know, humor has been a significant part of my journey. You know, I, I walk into a wall sometimes and I've got to laugh about it. Um, I was at a point of, you know, I either laugh or cry. But now yeah. it's natural to laugh, natural to smile and actually enjoy life again. I love that because I think it's very human to make mistakes to do things like occasionally walk into a wall and (laughs) we all kind of do these things or you know pull the door backwards and we tend to get really um you know really we feel really ashamed and embarrassed about having done something done something wrong or um, yeah I mean you know you could you you do do something wrong or something different to everyone else you automatically think oh gosh that's I'm that's really odd. I don't want to show someone that. But actually, you've got to smile about it. You've 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 adapted in a new different way to maybe someone else. Like, you know, okay, yeah, I, I put the bins out and I put the I put a bin bag on the door handle so someone else so the door handle is my right hand and I put the rubbish in. Okay, my partner doesn't do that. She's normal. She's well, what is normal? What is normal? But she does it different. She does it different to me. But you know what? It works. You adapt. For me personally, humor has been significant in my journey. Yeah. And I think as time's gone on, it's just been natural to smile and laugh. And actually, a lot of other people are exactly the same. They just, you know, smile with you. And, you know, it's time is is, is a huge thing. Um, yeah. And my, my confidence has gone leaps and bounds. And I have made those jumps where I've had a talk in public, which I would be scared to do in classes of free to talk in public. Um, so my confidence has 
grow. But like you say, you have to make that jump. And it's so, so scary. But those jumps are so significant. Yeah, I feel like there's something in just letting yourself be vulnerable, letting yourself have a go, yeah. make mistakes, and knowing that that's human and that everybody is going through the same thing. Because often we think everyone else is perfect and it's just me getting yes. things wrong. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, you don't know who, you know, the person you walk past every day, as they say, have all got their own individual difficulties and we don't know about them. So I always think just, you know, be kind because we don't know what one person's experiencing. They may be, they may be experiencing something we've got, something they're, they're experiencing a bit different, but they're probably going through a difficult time as well. Um, So I just think, you know, be kind. So you mentioned public speaking. What's the mm. biggest public speaking experience you've had? Okay. Well, I spoke at House of Parliament. Um, wow. Yeah, like a year later after my strike about emotional impact. And <laughs> that was actually quite difficult. Um, yeah, I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> um, so when I started talking, there was one person in a wheelchair right in front of me. And you can't help but reflect back when you're talking. And that got me a little bit emotional, but I guess it's important to show your emotions at times because the people get to really understand what actually you're going through mm-hmm. um, and what is so common for other people to go through as well. So we spoke about emotional impact, um, about the confidence, about anxiety, about the loss of friendships, but gaining new friendships that are so important because you, you know that they're true. You know, true friends because they've been you. You know, you've had the straight. You, they know absolutely everything about you, and they yet still want to be your friend. Um, yeah. So it's just obviously I didn't know about the the friendship at the time, but I was very isolated. Um, so I expressed that in the House of Parliament, which was magnificent. That is amazing. So you did that in two thousand and eleven. Yes, yeah, two thousand and eleven made that jump. Well <laughs> done. I felt great afterwards. I felt yeah. really good afterwards. How did you how did you get yourself there? Like, how did you make the decision to go and talk in the Houses of Parliament? You know, I, I wrote to the MP, um, the local MP. Um, I can't remember how I actually got that. I think I was campaigning for Stroke Association at the time. Mm. And that's how I got through. Was um, it a surprise? Yeah, it was quite a shock. I mean, at that time, you know, with my my memory and everything, it was like I relied on my mum to do most things. So it was a massive surprise to do that. And um, even just going for that journey to get to the House of Parliament, that was daunting itself because it was Mm. in London where I had my stroke. It was in the underground. So that itself was a massive step of, I don't know if I really want to do this. And um, I got overwhelmed with the amount of people that were around me. I felt very claustrophobic. Yeah. Um, but afterwards, you feel like you made an achievement. And, you know, I feel proud to be able to say I've done it. And how did you manage that anxiety? Um, well, it was it was very hard. Um, I took some deep breaths, um, you know, a bit of like meditation, mm. just like breathing in and out. Um Again, my anxiety at that point was very difficult to control. Um, sometimes I would break and I have to sl- slide on, on, on a wall and sit there for a minute and then get back up. I mean, I know that's not the, maybe not the most ideal way, but I had to do that sometimes to try and really get myself together. 
um, but regular breaks as well, you know, because I, I, I get overwhelmed when there's too many people. I get overwhelmed in Tesco's if there's too many people. So taking breaks regularly, um, step, stepping back away from that situation sometimes help. And then when you've kind of got yourself together again, I go back in there. Yeah. Often your body knows what it needs to do. Yeah. And it sounds like you were listening to it. Definitely. This is something that I always say to people. You know your body, you, you're the best person to know your body um you know when I before I I had my stroke I knew something wasn't 100% you know my body was acting different it was like telling me something Mm. I always think you know you should definitely listen to your body and um you know with with illness when your body's not feeling right you kind of like your consciousness tells you that something's not 100% yeah and with with anxiety it tells you okay Claire you don't want to do this so just take a step back for a minute and then go back in when we've (laughs) when we sorted this out um so yeah no I I completely agree with you you've obviously know you've obviously had experience yourself and you understand that you're listening to your body is so significant yeah it's so interesting that we tend to separate our minds and our bodies and treat them as if they're completely separate and, mm-hmm. and when we experience anxiety, we try often to deal with it just in our minds, but it's really held in the body. And I think you need yes. to work with the body too. So yeah, yeah. You fought, you fought, you find that you're fighting with it, aren't you? Like you say, you've got this, you've got your mind and then you've got your body and two separate sources, but you need to work together. And it's like with being positive, having a positive mind helps with your body. Um, so, you know, when you're not feeling 100% and your mind is telling you something's not right and your body's not saying something right, you need to put those two things together to really understand what's going on. Yeah. Um, so when you get a prediction of you're not never going to walk, um, no one can really say, um, apart from yourself, really. That must have been awful to be told that you weren't going to be able to do things. Yes, yeah. That was... Uh, that was uh, definitely a big shock um huge shock for me um I honestly felt really lost at that point I felt I couldn't really talk to my friends who visited me very much you know back then yeah I I used humor as uh, a filter in a way of my Mm -hmm. actual emotions um though I balanced it out and I can use humor and serious now I didn't then I didn't want to show my emotions I didn't want to show that this had really broken me um so I hu- used humor as a way of covering it up um and everyone thought I was fine but deep down I really wasn't I really wasn't um it got to a point of you know suicide actually um so you know you even though you've got all the support in this background and you've got your your loving mum and your family you still feel alone I know what you can't understand why you feel so alone when you've got all the support around you um so since then since this has happened I understand why people get to a point of not knowing what they can actually do with themselves any longer because I I got to that stage as well yeah and I can relate to that feeling like you're a burden and like you're not going to be able to kind of fit in and do the things that you want to do or that you look around and other people seem to be doing with ease Mm, definitely definitely um 
yeah, I can remember I was walking down um, uh, a, like a very tiny road and um, it was like all the traffic were going forward to me. So it was really bright lights because it was pitch black and I had no balance and I just didn't, didn't, didn't care. I, I didn't care and I was, I, was being, I was being sick continuously because I was stressing my body out. I just didn't know what to do at that point. So reflecting back like I am now, it's crazy to think that I was even in that position. And when you're in that dark moment, you don't even think that a future is ahead of you as such. Yeah. You get lost in your own emotions. So when I talk to other people about their mental health, um, support them through, through work, I have, a, like you say, an understanding of how they're, how they're feeling as well. And uh, I didn't want to admit it, but when my mum heard about it, that I was feeling this way, she was very shocked because I'm very good at covering things up. <laughs> we do find people use uh, like kind of a cover up <laughs> to not show it. Um, yeah, it's so, a real protective mechanism, isn't it? To kind of just definitely. pack it all down, pretend everything's okay. Yeah. What do you wish you'd done differently? I wish I, I wish I spoke to my friends a bit more, actually because it was a very difficult time and I found it very hard with my acceptance, but I also understand it was probably very difficult for them as well. These were childhood friends that I've known for years and years and suddenly there was this transformation. I wish that I spoke to them. Um, I also, I mean, this was not really for me, but I wish there was more like support back then with emotional side to actually understand emotionally what I was going through. Um, mm. I didn't have that um, for five years. Um, and unfortunately in those five years, it was such a difficult time because I didn't understand what was going on in my mind. So um, that's why I, I enjoy my job now because I can give that support when they come up, when, when people come out of hospital. Yeah, you're obviously in a position where you can just make sure that people do feel seen and heard and understood. And I definitely. think that's the most important thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. There was one quote from you that really struck me. Do you want to say the quote? Can you remember it? Um, my disability has shown my true abilities, is it? Yeah, my disability has opened my eyes to my true abilities. Uh, on the lines, guys. I was on the line. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly. Um, yeah, yeah, it really has. It really has. I still stand by that quote. Uh, really has opened me up have a different perspective of life understanding of human beings being able to approach people differently um it's um opens my eyes in as well as you know I yes I do things differently to everyone else but I still achieve the same level I may may, may, it may take me more time but I still get there so you know my abilities, you know, my disability, I thought was going to be like an anchor dragging me down. But actually, I've been able to let that anchor go now and uh, be able to really experience life again. Yeah, that's beautiful. I'm getting a sense beautiful of... Beautiful saying that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really getting a sense of that kind of giving your permission, yourself permission just to kind of just to have a go, just to try, just to see what you can achieve. Because I think we always misjudge our abilities. Yes. We always underestimate what we can actually achieve. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, I nearly, I, I, unfortunately, I nearly, oh, 
nearly died um, in 2010. And, you know, I feel like I've had a got second chance of life again. And I want to make it as best as possible. So this is why I want to see the world a little bit more yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, there's so much to see. And, you know, work, life is worth living. And, yeah, you're going to have struggles. You're going to have plateaus. You know what? The, the future is still yours. Mm. The future, you can still create your future. You're creating yourself every single day. Um, so, you know, I feel that, you know, you need to be positive to make make a positive outcome as well. Yeah, it's really shifted your perspective, hasn't it? And well, put things into perspective. Definitely, <laughs> Definitely has shifted my perspective. Um, it's it's changed me for the better. Um, and I've got to a point now, it's 10 years on mine, that I'm actually talking to my old best friend. I've actually been able to feel confident enough to the point where I gave her a ring in, in lockdown. I was like, hi. <laughs> This is Claire. Um, so, and it felt nice to be able to be in that position, you know, that I have grown as an individual, that I felt comfortable with actually making that jump and picking up that phone and talking to someone. And um, that someone was my, be- my, my best friend from childhood. And it felt really nice. That's a really big thing to do as well, isn't it? To reach out to someone who you've not spoken to in a while. Definitely. Definitely is. Um, Very brave. It is very, <laughs> I hope one day I can explain kind of like how I felt, but we had a bit of closure by saying that it was of such a difficult time. We, we, we did meet up social distancing, of course, yeah. um, at the time. And, you know, we, we were both able to explain that it was a difficult time. And with that, that helped with closure and that helps with moving on. Um, because I always had, I always wanted that closure because I always regretted not not talking to my friends not in always putting a wall up and not allowing them to see me and I feel now that I can break that wall down and uh pick up that phone and talk to them again which is which is lovely you know it may be just a couple of contacts of hello but you know what it's amazing to be yeah able to do that. and through breaking that wall down you obviously have so much richer connections with other people and with nature and I feel like with that comes that sense of like your place in the world and yes you you realize that you're part of something bigger definitely I mean you know I lost my dad when I was 15 um and that was a massive oh it was such a huge thing in my life um you know, I was such a daughter, little, you know, father and daughter. So it was really, really difficult. And I never um, grieved. So that time of isolation, I was I was able to grieve for that loss. But now I use it as a purpose, you know, being able to talk to other stroke survivors, being able to support them. My dad would be proud that I'm doing that now. So yeah. it's really nice to, to turn life around. That's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> If you could give yourself some advice, give your younger self some advice, maybe even before the stroke, what would you, what would you say to yourself? Life is hard. <laughs> it's how it's supposed to be. Games. Um, when I was a child, I didn't realise that, you know, there was going to be lots of challenges. Um, but I'd also say to myself, things will be okay. Yeah. You know, I'd want her to understand that 
it's not going to be easy. You're not going to be making dens for the rest of your life. You're not going going down slides for the rest of your life. You'll be going down slides of emotions. Yes, (laughs) you'll be okay. Um, And that's what I would tell her. I'll just reassure her. She never understood that life was going to be so difficult. And I was a perfectionist. And it's taught me, you can't be perfectionist, Claire. You've got to adapt in a new way. And you know what? That's so, that's pretty amazing. You're making yourself um, achieve things that you didn't think you would be able to achieve, but in a different way. And I would have told myself, stop being a perfectionist. Just enjoy yourself a bit more. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds like very good advice that I could have taken too. (laughs) I'm the perfectionist. Even when there was like a little little um screwed up piece of paper I was like no you can't have this paper I've got to have a straight piece of paper (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so that's what it's taught me you know now I can't be a perfectionist it's not in my nature to be a perfectionist I can't do it now that's definitely a no-no and no one is a perfectionist who is no one's perfect yeah and like you were saying you you just it's not important it's not the important things no I've uh, got a girlfriend, no, well, fiance now. We've been together for five years. And I can tell you what, I am not a perfectionist at all. She's always correcting me. And I'm all, you know what? I'm just like, you know what, love? Whatever. Um, <laughs> you know what? She loves me for not my imperfection. You know, she loves me for my clumsiness, for me walking my wall, in the walls. Yeah. And you will get that one day in the future because I didn't think I would find anyone either um but when you find that right person who will support you who will lift you up when you're when you're down again that's really really important as well yeah oh thank you so much this has been a real feel-good conversation and yeah I'm so grateful that's okay that's okay well yeah no it's been lovely to see well to see you to hear from you so uh no it's nice to talk to you oh and you thank you Claire thanks for listening You can find the show notes from this episode at quietconnections.co.uk Before you go, please subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date with all future episodes. With gratitude for the support of the National Lottery Community Fund.